Well, I so much appreciate some of our leadership groups being here today. Uh, it's been a while since I've been able to look out and see a couple faces uh, or a couple masks, and it is a blessing to, to see this group today. And if you're joining us online, I'm just grateful that you're here. I am I'm just humbled to be reminded of God's faithfulness over the years as he brings us to this part of our journey. Uh, I want to begin, though, by joining Steve this morning, asking us to be praying for Jonesboro Elementary School, as well as Roy Tay's family. I reached out personally to the principal of Jonesboro Elementary yesterday, and uh, they are hurting as a community, and they are our community partners, and our community partners are near and dear to us. And so I ask that we continue to pray for not only Jonesboro, but our community as a whole. You know, it's an honor to have served at Homewood on staff for a decade now. Uh, We've actually been at this church for 15 years, but I've only been on staff for 10 of those. And that's that's hard to to even grasp, even saying that out loud. Uh, But Lenny and I want to thank our shepherds uh, for today's kind words and the acknowledgement of that 10 years. But the reality is, is that uh, one of the things that God has blessed us with is a a great team and he has put folks in our midst to walk alongside us and there's no way that I could fully live out the calling that God has placed on my life if it wasn't for the calling of so many others that have come alongside us and so I just I I would be remiss if I didn't say thank you to, to Rick and Jennifer and Chris and Justin, and Morgan, and Bethany, and Brooke, and Willie, and Kevin, and James Rasco, and Charlie, uh, all of our staff, and for the way that, uh, that they serve alongside me and my family. And I consider them teammates, but also consider them siblings in Christ, and I'm very grateful for each of them. And then also to this church family, so thankful for your continued encouragement, uh, your prayers, uh, the way that you continue to pour into me and my family, it truly takes a village. And so from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Uh, our prayer is that we continue to exalt Jesus. And we continue to make much of him. And we continue to point one another toward his gospel and his grace. And so that's why today uh, we are continuing our series in Paul's letter to the Galatians. So I want to encourage you, if you, uh, if you have a, a Bible or device, that you can be turning or punching toward Galatians chapter 5. Uh, we're going to be looking at that today. And as you're turning there, let me just ask you the question, uh, what does it mean to be free? What does it mean to be free? So when I turned 16 years old, I remember getting that little plastic card, my driver's license. I thought to myself, I'm finally free. I can finally go where I want to go and do what I want to do. And then I realized I had to start paying for my gas. And I realized I had to start paying for my insurance. Freedom wasn't as free as I thought. Then I remember going to college and getting my first apartment and thinking, I'm finally free. And I even 
yelled out the William Wallace freedom, you know, as I walked into my new apartment. And then I began to realize I had to work three jobs to pay for my rent and my tuition and pay my way through school. I realized, okay, maybe I'm not as free as I thought I was. Or it's like the little boy who asked his mom, what's freedom? And he said, well, uh, well, uh, I don't know. And the mom asked him, actually, what's freedom? And he said, I don't know what freedom is, but every time that I, I pass a, a shop in town, it, it says uh, that we are seeking the freedom of, of Wiffy. And she said, well, what is, what is that? And, and she said, well, it says free Wiffy. And, and then that's when she realized that he meant free Wi-Fi. And, and this freedom of Wi-Fi that we try to liberate in our community takes place. But on this 4th of July weekend, I just want to ask us, what does it really mean to be free in the context of following Jesus as Lord? Let's start reading in Galatians chapter 5 in verse 1. The Word says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ, Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. I'm thankful for the independence that we as a nation celebrated yesterday. And we are still working for all people to be free. Uh, but for Paul, freedom does not mean independence. Rather, it relied on this interdependence, you could say. And so for Paul, freedom begins only in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, in the Spirit. Do you remember what we talked about last week when we talked about the Trinitarian vision of God and how if we're going to read the Scriptures, we have to keep this vision of who God is in mind, that this has to be the way that we, we see who God is in our lives. Scholar Scott McKnight says that we cannot apply freedom in Paul to our society until we see that the two are at odds with one another. This forces us to decide. We have only to choose between bondage to the Father, which makes us free, and bondage to the powers of this world, which enslaves us. So Paul's call for, for freedom to, to kick off this particular chapter, which wasn't a chapter at all when he wrote it. It was just a part of the letter. But to kick off this particular section, uh, Paul is going to really hone in on the heart and the soul of this message to the Galatian church. They have been infected by a virus. And that virus that that church had been infected by 
was a virus that said you don't only need to surrender to Jesus Christ, but you need to also surrender to Moses' law by obeying and doing these certain rights to then belong. And Paul says in verse 2, if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value. But then he goes on to say that in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. So he's not saying, don't do this instead of doing this, and then you'll be, no, he's saying that neither of those have value. Now, circumcision was the most blatant issue facing the Galatians. The last time I checked, it's not a huge issue with our church. Um, Matter of fact, it's not a great church growth strategy, uh, if you ask me, this whole idea of circumcision. But these kinds of things are going to continue to creep into the church. These kinds of things are going to continue to creep into God's people and how they do life. So Paul explains what he means by, by Christ will be of no value. He makes three points. That if they go to the law now, number one, that they're going to be obliged to do the whole law. If you're going to focus on this one thing, then you need to, to realize that you need to focus on the whole thing. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it all the way. It's what he's, what he's going to say here in a few verses a little more blatantly. Verse 2, they will be separated from Christ and grace. So not only are now you obliged to do the whole law, now you're separated from Christ and you're separated from grace. And then number 3, they will miss what really counts. And what does Paul say really counts? Faith expressing itself in love. And so it's been said that verse 5 and 6, if you're following along there in Galatians chapter 5, verse 5 and 6 really sum up this entire letter. If, if you want the, the entire letter of Galatians in, in a tweet, you know, here it is, verses 5 and 6. For through the Spirit we eagerly await. By faith the righteousness for which we hope for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. So is freedom in absolute control of one's life? Do and say what you want, when you want, however you want in the name of finding oneself. Or is freedom being left alone, not having other people's values or ideas or styles of life forced upon me. Just leave me alone so that I can be free. Or is freedom the breaking down of social structures that are perceived to be oppressive or obstacles to equality and justice? I mean, freedom surely involves the tearing down of social injustices, right? Verse 7, Paul says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? I think about running in the street or walking fast, as I like to do, uh, but to keep up with my kids. But every now and then, we'll, we'll uh, just tear off in a little bit of a race. 
you know, and, and when your kids are calling you grandpa and old man, you, it just kind of fuels this fire inside of you to, to show them that you still have a little bit left in you, even though you pull something along the way, but you still try to show them you've got something. And, but I, inevitably, what our children will do as I'm running and racing is one of them will cut in front of me. And, and so uh, instead of just plowing right over, you know, my three-year-old, I stop. And then I lose the race. It's like they, you know, coordinate this ahead of time so that, you know, I can not win. But Paul says, who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Verse 8, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, verse 11, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross. The offense of the cross has been abolished. Verse 12, as for those agitators, I wish they would go all the way and emasculate themselves. Wow. How many of us need to be reminded that a little yeast works through the whole batch of a dough? And this works both ways. Uh, This works in the positive direction, but it also works in the negative direction. A few minutes of being in the Word and prayer to start your day can impact your entire day. How many of us have noticed that? But getting up late, frantically trying to start your day or immediately letting your mood be dictated by a post or an email can also impact your entire day. How many of us are familiar with that? Eating healthy can give you good energy and help you feel better. But overeating or not creating a balanced diet can also impact your mood and cause fatigue and make you feel genuinely unpleasant. A little yeast can work through the entire dough. Specifically here, though, Paul's addressing those who are leading the Galatians to believe that the inner circle of God's acceptance is based on doing these things in addition to trusting and believing in Jesus. And so they're being taught they must not just only rely on Jesus, but they must also embrace the cultural norms of the Judaizers, which involve Moses' law. This is what it means to be in God's inner circle, they were saying. Uh, So I've seen many folks comment on the recent release of the Broadway play Hamilton. I had hopes of taking my wife to go and see this play sometime live this year, uh, but we had to settle for Disney Plus instead. It is PG-13, so be aware of that. But one of the characters, Aaron Burr, achieved fame primarily by fatally shooting Alexander Hamilton in a duel. 
And author Kelly Keller makes an interesting connection to C.S. Lewis's inner ring, where Lewis uses the term to describe that place where many of us long to be, that we want to be in the know, that we want to be one of the essential people. And Aaron Burr longs for the inner ring, but he calls it something differently. What he calls it is the room where it happens. And in his case, this is in a room with Hamilton and James Madison and Thomas Jefferson. And Ms. Keller, this author, goes on to say that the desire for the inner ring creeps into friendships easily, doesn't it? We are fearful people desiring acceptance and love. And social media and things show us these tight circles of friends, these inside jokes, these things that we were not invited to and all providing this fertile soil for jealousy. So instead of looking to the Lord for help with our duties and our challenges, we look around wondering how our life would be different if we were in that circle or with those friends or living that life. So what is the antidote for this ongoing distress? This Galatian church is, is dealing with this temptation from these teachers to be in the inner ring, to be in the inner circle, and you must do this in order to, and what does Paul say is the vaccine? Verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. We're going to talk about that next week. Rather, serve one another. Serve one another humbly in love. And as long as we aspire to a place that focuses on self, we can't be in a place to love. We can't be in a place to truly connect. We can't be in a place to truly serve and eventually share this true selfless community. As C.S. Lewis concludes, the quest of the inner ring will break your hearts unless you break it. I think Paul would suggest that the only way that we are able to break the inner ring desire that most of us have is to walk in step with the Spirit, the very Spirit of God. Next week, we'll also look at what is the fruit of this Spirit in our lives. So three reminders this week, and I want to encourage us to think about these things as we move into our week and as we continue to process what Paul has been preaching and teaching and saying to us, the church, through the Galatian church, through his Holy Spirit. Number one is that we have been set free to, to live free. I know that it feels like many of our freedoms have been taken away. These guidelines and these rules and these things that have been coming into our lives these past few months, it seems like our freedom has been taken away, but maybe we need to 
step back and examine what is true freedom and what are some of those things that we have been placing in idolatrous places. And I'm not here to to beat anybody up this morning. I'm here to talk to me, let you listen in, and let us begin to prayerfully examine our own hearts and the things that we find security in. We have been set free to live free. Freedom in Christ is a life that walks in the Spirit. We'll talk about that next week. So read the rest of chapter 5 and don't miss being with us next week. Number two is that living free is living different. How does your freedom in Christ impact the way that you live? We don't just claim freedom in Christ and there's no change. There's no living differently. No, we live differently because of our identity in Jesus. And the third one is that living different It's not about trying harder. It's about relying more fully. Church, the message of the gospel is not, hey, thanks for playing, come back next week. Some of you listening to my voice right now grew up hearing that message week in and week out. Thanks for playing, come back next week. Try harder, maybe you'd be good enough. The reason most of us burn out is that we are trying to self-generate our power. I mentioned to you a few weeks ago, it's, it's like taking a power strip and instead of plugging it into the power source, the wall, you just take the power strip and you plug it into itself. How's that working out? Here's what Paul says, verse 14, the entire law. All of it is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and you devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So church, to live in Christ is to live in love. Love of who? Love of your neighbor as you love yourself. I was reading in the Old Testament this week in one of my daily Bible readings, 1 Kings chapter 20. It tells a story of King Hezekiah. And he, he finds out from the prophet that he's, he's going to die. And so what does he do? He, he prays to the Lord. He pleads with the Lord. And what, is, what does God come back to say? Because of your prayer of faithfulness, I'm going to extend your life 15 years. And then Hezekiah comes later in his journey and he receives another message from a prophet. And what's he told? That your, your people, this, this kingdom that you rule is going to be exiled, it's going to be taken away. And you know what Hezekiah's response was? Well, at least it'll be peaceful in my lifetime. Do you see what was revealed there? 
Do you see what was revealed in Hezekiah's heart? This mighty prayer of faithfulness. Lord, please spare my life. Give me more time. And then what was revealed is that his self-interest outweighed any kind of concern he had for anybody else. At least it'll be peaceful in my lifetime. How do we think? How do we change our thinking? How do we change our hearts to begin this journey of not self-interest but selfless service? This love of neighbor that Paul talks about. Paul's first comment about freedom in our letter was all the way back in chapter 1. Do you remember? All the way back in chapter 1, verse 4. What does he say? Jesus, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, that no one becomes free until they acknowledge that they need to be freed from sin. It's why confession and repentance are such gifts, gifts from God. If today you need to confess, don't see that as a some heavy burden. It's a gift. God has given us this gift of being able to confess and to repent and to say, I'm sorry, whether it be anger or resentment or pride or bitterness or prejudice or lust or passivity or greed. Don't ignore the Spirit's prompting for you to respond. Confess. Confess to God. I'm going to give you a moment to do that here shortly. Confess to a friend, a trusted friend. Confess to a shepherd. Confess to a, a minister. And, and, and don't carry that heavy weight any longer. Because Jesus paid much too high a price for you and I to walk around carrying these heavy loads on our back. Be free. And we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to schedule a time to to meet you in the waters of baptism. You can use that online connection card or you can reach out to one of our shepherds or ministers. In this season of social distance, let's not be a people who are spiritually distant. The time is right now. Uh, For others, once we know that we're what we're freed from. the the grip of sin and self, then we can understand, we can begin to mature by what we've been free to. We've been set free to serve God. We've been set free to to follow in the steps of our rabbi, Jesus Christ. We've, We've been set free to live and walk in the sway of God's Spirit. And as we come to the table this morning, the bread and the cup are the antithesis of biting and devouring one another. The vaccine to biting and devouring one another for the Christian is the eating and the drinking of the bread and the cup. So as we gather in the Spirit this morning around Christ's table, I want us to imagine being there. I want us to imagine being there. And that you just take a moment to imagine looking at Jesus. Looking into his eyes, your eyes meet. What do you hear him say? 
What does that glance from Christ reveal? As you reflect on that, I want us to pray, and then you'll have a few moments at home uh, or here to share uh, in a time of communion and meditation. And then we'll uh, close after a few moments of meditation with a song and prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we're reminded this morning that there's no fear in love. That perfect love casts out all fear. So as we eat the bread and we drink the cup this morning, may we be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit who leads us into all truth. May we surrender to our Lord Jesus once again. As we pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth, in our lives, as it is in heaven. May we be a kingdom-focused people. Thank you for the body and the blood of Jesus that frees us to live that life. It's in Jesus we pray.